You are listening to The Fit CFO Show. Here we discuss topics on fitness, nutrition, and of course, business to help you become your best in life and in your business. I am your host, Amanda Hanquist, creator of Envision Nutrition and 12-year financial professional. We release a new episode every single Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications because you don't want to miss a thing. On today's episode of the podcast, Sean and I wanted to sit down to go over some of the most asked about topics, especially when it comes to planning out our 2022 goals. Um, And that topic in particular is hiring for your business. Um, Maybe one of those goals for you is to hire a new staff member as part of your growth for this year. So sit down, buckle up and give this episode a listen as we break down the three main things you need to know before hiring in 2022. So let's get to it. So when we're thinking about hiring in 2022, here's what we need to do and how we need to do it. So let's break it down. You have a goal of hiring and what should that accomplish for you? This this is a good question because there's not a lot of people just assume let's scale, let's grow, but there's a lot of things you have to do behind the scenes. And what I would say is you want to ask yourself, what am I trying to accomplish by hiring this um, new employee or subcontractor. And some things that we kind of look at is, and the most of the time I get is I, um, started this business for freedom and I have no freedom. I'm completely stressed out working to the max. So is it to get some of your time back? You know, that's, that's a way of looking at it. Um, are you just looking even, and some are okay with going hundred mile an hour. So are you just looking to scale business even further? And then some are like, hey, I'm really good at, uh, you know, describing the macros and just kind of breaking down the client, you know, profile. I love doing that, but the marketing side is just not my thing. So maybe you want to outsource marketing, but you want to keep um, coaching all the clients. So it's get doing, it's allowing you to do what you love to do. So there's a lot of things that you want to look at when you're, when you're hiring your employee and what are they going to be used for? Yeah. So will it give you some of your time back? I think that's a really big one because I think number one, um, and I made a a funny reel about this not too long ago is that we quit our nine to five and now we work 24 seven. And I think that's a lot of, you know, when you first start a business, that's just kind of what you have to do. You're in survival mode, you're wearing multiple different hats. And so hopefully this will accomplish buying some of your time back, but Honestly, when you first hire an employee at the very beginning, there is an understanding there that there's going to be a period of training time. There's going to be a period of of time where you aren't going to feel like you've gotten a lot of your time back quite yet. Um, But ultimately, that's going to be the goal in the longer, longer term. That's where that term, you know, slow to hire, quick to fire comes from, because you want to make sure you're not having to redo this process over and over. But ultimately, are you going to be able to get some of your time back? And also, is this going to allow you the ability to scale your business? Um, you know, that whole phrase of if you want to go go quick, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so right. the more we have on our team, the, the you know bigger goal we're going to be able to accomplish. But it's not always right. going to be quick because it's going to take time to build our mission and therefore build our team and to build members that understand our mission and what we want to accomplish within our community. Um, and so scaling needs to be a big part of it. And then that, 
that that kind of takes me. I don't want to go too many steps back, but I mean that's kind of a part of your business plan mm-hmm. of what kind of what kind of business do you want to create. And then also, um, it, I think you were getting on to scale, so I kind of interrupted you. Oh yeah, um, go for it. But go ahead, go for the scale thing, and then we I can jump back in. No, that's that's really all I was going to say is that the ability to to scale your business, you're not going to be able to do it alone because as we know there's only so much time in the day. And yeah, at the beginning, you're going to have to wear multiple hats, but then your marketing plan is going to have to get more elaborate. You're going to need more clients to have more income to fund a larger business. Ultimately, you're going to hit a crossroads where do I scale or do I pull back? And there is going to be kind of that scary moment of having to figure out what that looks like for you in order to scale. And I just kind of want to break down some numbers too, because I work with a lot of clients and it's not, there's some anomalies out there, right? Like there's some one-offs, but for the most part, coaches doing it themselves without a team pretty much get maxed out around that 15 to $20,000 a month range. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just time after time, I see it just banging their head against the walls, like just but cannot just get to- past that. But I also want to say that 15 to 20,000 in revenue per month, you're also working more than full time. So you may be maxed out and you may be like, I don't need to make more than 15, $20,000 a month. And that's fantastic. That's great. But, but what happens the second that you get hurt or sick and and you, you can't work for two weeks, does your entire business fall apart because of it? And so scaling may, you know, you may be happy with the income that you're producing at that moment, but ultimately like, is your business bigger than you are or does it stop at you? And that's kind of that point at scale that, that we're talking about. Most of all the businesses would die. Um, if you have a, if you don't have a structure or team put in place, if you became disabled for two, three months, yeah, a lot of our clients have emergency reserves up to six months or further. So financially they'll survive and can rebuild, but it would, it would take definitely several steps back because there's nothing implemented or ready to put in place if something like that would happen for most of the clients. Yeah. Well, and I also know too, it doesn't take a lot for a client to say, you know what? I'm going to take a step back from my goals for a minute. You need some time. This will be a perfect time for me to exit as a client. And then before you know it, the whole, the whole ship can be wrecked. And so you almost feel like you're, you have all these uh, balls that you're spinning in the air that you're trying to hold up. And the second you have to sit down for a minute, you're more or less, you know, not able to keep all that going. So but yeah, so most all of us get into this business for you know financial freedom and flexibility, and and very few of them have created that because they haven't took the steps and the time to write out the business plan to develop the structure internally to be able to scale beyond that one person size revenue of that say fifteen to twenty thousand. Yep, yep. So scaling um, number two will that accomplish scale for you? Excuse me. And then number three, will it allow you to concentrate? So. I know when I got into nutrition coaching, I love the uh, learning about food, how it helps us perform, how we can literally uh, create different food strategies and implement it in our lives to make our lives easier, to make us feel better, to make us perform better. That's why I got into nutrition coaching. There were certain aspects that I don't necessarily like about 
owning and operating a business. There's a really good book and maybe I'll have to link it in the show notes, but uh, it's the E-Myth um, book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read it, Sean, yep. but, but ultimately what it's saying is it talks about uh, this lady who loves to bake cakes and she decides, cool, I'm going to open up a cake business because I love to bake cakes so much. Well, she opens up this business. She finds herself you know, so overwhelmed with all of the intricate parts of owning a business and operating a brick and mortar and, uh, you know, fulfilling customer orders and having to do her bookkeeping and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that she just ends up hating what she even got into it for in the first place, because she wasn't allowed to focus and concentrate on the really, the part that she actually loved about the business, which was baking the cakes. And, And my point in this is, Will hiring allow you to concentrate on what you're best at, what you're passionate about, what you actually got into this business to do in the first place? Yeah, that's pretty powerful. I, I love it. So, no, cool. Um, what else? Anything else on as far as the goals or accomplishing anything? Um, I think that's pretty much covered. Yeah. So just to bring it back around again, will it give you some time back? Will it allow you to scale your business or will it allow you to put your concentration in what you do best at? Um, So that's the number one thing um, that we put on the list of of hiring and things that you need to be thinking about um, is what will it accomplish for you? And number two is how do I know when it's financially the smart time to hire? When is the financially the best time? Because I know sometimes, you know, if we, if we wait until we're, we're ready Oftentimes it's either too late or it's just never going to happen. Right. But we do want to be realistic, right? We talk about anomalies and then we talk about the most of us. So we want to make sure that we are talking about in general, the most general rule that you should try to keep in mind. When is it the most financially smart time for you to hire in your business? When do you know that you're ready? And Sean, I'm going to let you take that away. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to hire as quickly as we can. Um, to be able to scale and create processes. So I'm an advocate for getting someone hired immediately, but let's do it the right way and build a financial foundation. Um, not a lot of us come from money, right? Like we don't, we're not trust fund babies and we don't have access to parents feeding us or whatnot on the money side. So let's do our work. What we have to do is we need to create emergency reserves before we're ready to scale because the, the biggest thing in business is, um, cash, you know, cash is king. You're always going to hear that. And and it is so true. There's so many opportunities that you can take advantage of as a business owner when you have cash. Um, But far as hiring your first employee at a minimum, you know, you would want, um, if you're a very, very aggressive entrepreneur that can literally make it rain and, and print money, then maybe a month. Right. But if you're conservative to moderate, probably three to six months of operating cash flow um, in the business accounts, knowing that it's going to take time to grow, knowing it's going to take time away from what you're normally doing by hiring this first employee and it could go backwards. Um, Ultimately, you would not want to hire an employee or subcontractor and get things going. But at that same time, you're running out of money because you're paying that contractor employee something and maybe the cash is not increasing like it should have or or quickly as it should have. And you would have to have to fire that employee um, a couple of months in because you ran out of cash. So that would be something that you just want to build for yourself as a financial foundation. Absolutely. So 
Emergency reserves are important um, when hiring because you obviously we talked about slow to hire, quick to fire, but um, we don't want to find that right candidate, spend the time and training them and then crap, I'm out of money. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't keep you on board. Now I have to let you go. Um, so having 60 to 90 days of wages saved up is ideal. Um, but if you don't, let's say not to inter- not to interrupt, but I'd probably have emergency res- emergency reserves plus their wages saved up for 60 to 90 days would be yeah. probably the, the best thing to do. Yeah. So like your standard 60 to 90 days of business savings just for operational expenses if something mm-hmm. were to happen. But then in addition, 60 to 90 days of those wages saved up additionally, because that, I mean, that's an additional operational cost at that point. And if you don't have that factored into those uh, those mm-hmm. cost factors, then eventually you're going to hit that brick road and, and get scared. Because a lot of people will say, like they're just fulfilling that need. If you're hiring a subcontractor and you pay them 30 or 40% of the revenue, well, you know, what, what the difference is, is yes, they're only getting paid if they're producing revenue. But a lot of times as a solopreneur, as you're scaling, you're used to getting that 30 to 40% yourself, mm-hmm. but now you're paying that contractor. So either way you look at it, you're going to have a dip in personal income or operating cash flow when yeah. you first start this process. It's going to come from somewhere. And let's say that that is just not an option. You are um, scaling quickly. You need immediate help. And so the next best thing is to ensure that you have some kind of a line of credit or access to cash in some form, whether that is equity or you can somehow make some assets liquid in a timely manner. Um, I'm going to let you elaborate on that. Even, even relationships with a lender in particular too. Yeah. Yep. So the access to liquidity, um, even if you have a really high personal net worth and you can take money from your personal accounts and, and dump in the business, that's fine. Um, but I like the use of leverage and um, lines of credit for business. It just keeps a little bit more organized. And um, obviously, you can keep personal separate from business. So that's why I like to operate on lines of credit. If there's a time of growth or a time that you need to scale back, the best time to get a line of credit is when you do not need it. Right? Yeah. So if um, I don't know how many people we've talked to, it's like, okay. Um, now shit hit the fan. I have nowhere to run. Now I need line of credit. Now I need to go talk to that banker and now you don't well, qualify. Well, or it's going to take 30 days to even come through. Sure. I mean, yeah, you can get it. Um, you can get the line of credit going and, um, start the relationship. But like you said, timing is of the essence. You need it right away. Um, and you need it when you can qualify, right? When, when your business is in positive cash flow. It's a little bit easier for the banker to look at your balance sheet and PL and say, yeah, I mean, this business is operating okay. So we're going to give you a line of credit versus negative cash flow. You're eating into the cash. The banker might not want to lend you the money because there's no guarantee you're going to turn the ship around. Yep. So honestly, one could one could argue that it would be ideal to have both, to have, you know, be in that asset building phase where you're building up savings, you're building up mm-hmm. wages at that point you know, you're thinking maybe it's going to be time to hire soon, go ahead and, you know, access that or get that line of credit approved for so that you have it on hand when everything is positive. You don't have those um, employee wages coming out yet. Yeah. And I can't stress the importance of building the relationship. Like we could call our banker today and and have, well, not today because it's 
MLK Day, but <laughs> banks are closed. Um, but we can have, yeah, we can have money put in our account uh, tomorrow, right? So you got to have that access to that money and that relationship because they, you've built up that trust. They're going to trust you. Yep. Versus starting that new relationship, they don't know you from anybody. That's really hard. Yep. So start the relationship now. Um, I wish banks. A lot of times, like you got your national banks. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very supportive of those because they have some, uh, unique tools that are nice in business, but like for the Chase, most part, it's Capital usually, one, Wells yeah. Fargo, those bigger, um, uh, they have really cool tools when it comes to the business and the online platforms, but getting loans from them and lines of credit's a little bit harder than say a smaller bank that you can just start a relationship with a banker. And yeah. honestly, like have your bankers cell phone and text them. And that's like the relationship hometown. that you want. Yeah. Yep. Feel. Yep. Absolutely. So. So yes, financially, when is the best time to hire? You know, honestly, that is going to really be case by case basis, but it is very important that you have the workings in progress before you press that lever of hiring Yeah, um, yeah. because you don't want to do it when it's too late. And so that really so we, is up to you, but. Right. And so we teach a method um, to allow our clients to build up profit or savings, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So they're ready for that stage of the game. Yep. So just have a process or a system. Yep, absolutely. And so then the next biggest question I would say that is so important to go over. And the third thing that you need to think about is, do I hire a subcontractor or do I hire an employee, a W-2 waged employee? And what is the difference? Mm -hmm. Most of our clients hire subcontractors because I don't think they know any better. Because I I think that's an industry trend, honestly. I don't think it's because... uh, there's really any reasoning behind it. I think that's well, the industry trend because it's a, because it's a, well, there's some buzzwords growing business. There's a lot of buzz out there, you know, like why would you want to pay their portion of FICA taxes and this and that it's just easier. It's cleaner. You don't have to have payroll. You just, um, and, and sometimes our clients just need subcontracted work, but I think there's a lot of difference between what some of these people are having their subcontractors do and employees. And there's clearly a difference. Yep. Yep. I think so. Let's just break it down quickly and talk about the difference between the two. So let's, let's talk about an employee, a W2 employee where they're going to work for, let's say your particular company, John Smith nutrition or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Think long-term play. If you are an entrepreneur looking to build a business with systems and processes, you're building a community, um, you're building a brand value we recommend that you hire an employee so that you can build that brand and ultimately right. possibly a sellable business someday. Right. Because if you hire um, contractors, like they can have their own, but that's the definition of a contractor. Like they work for multiple institutions or businesses or entities. Right? The- you can control who they work for. They work for you. And that's the beauty of it because We've seen it in our businesses like and, and other clients' businesses, how that can play a major role in the impact of client retention and referrals and a bunch of things. And so let's talk about what a subcontractor actually means. So subcontractor, we want to think somebody like a short term. So a lot of times we see these uh, nutrition coaches hiring a subcontractor acting as a long-term employee. So you hire mm-hmm. a subcontractor and you need to be thinking short term, like somebody that's going to build out a website for you or somebody that if you are in a, a moment business of, coach, 
yeah, a business coach, or if you're in a moment of quick growth and you don't have systems and processes built out yet, and you don't have time to train an employee on your methods and systems, and you're just concerned with maximizing short-term profits, that is going to be a short-term situation for you. That's going to be a subcontractor. Um, so now what we see is that a lot of times nutrition coaches are hiring subcontractors and treating them like employees. And, and that's not the case. You cannot tell a subcontractor to use your method and your process. You can't tell a subcontractor when they need to be working and operating on hours. Yeah. I mean, that was very well said. And just like we've experienced that, I've seen clients experience of hiring subcontractors they they're implementing your stuff with your clients and then taking like those client testimonials and putting them on their own platforms and trying to build their own personal brand and their own um, side hustle, right. Off Mm -hmm. your business. And that maybe you're okay with that, but that's, that's a little hard as you build a business and get referrals, but you have your contractor building their business off of yours when it should be underneath your umbrella. Yep, absolutely. And I personally experienced the struggle with hiring a subcontractor and not having an employee instead is that, yes, you're not getting the testimonials that you need for your survival of your business. You're not getting the referrals. They're taking them for their own, even though they came through your business Mm -hmm. and you handed them to the subcontractor, you're not getting the referrals, the testimonials, basically the the lifeblood of your business. You're not getting that back into your business. And so that's why we believe that if you're looking for a coach to implement your process, your system, your coaching model that is unique to you and what you are trying to build, you need to hire an employee so that you can implement getting testimonials back. You can implement getting referrals back into the business, et cetera. Right. Right. Now it does create a little bit more complexity, um, but that's why you outsource some of that to your financial team or someone that can help you go through that because in the long run, run, in the long run, you'd be more beneficial. And, and that is, again, where the difference in subcontractor versus employee comes in. Why not hire somebody, you know, such as FitCFO, who can help you understand, okay, I need to, uh, you know, figure out my taxes for the season, or I need to, you know, figure out when and what to do as far as hiring, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things that you don't necessarily know and, and don't really want to have to take the time to know, that is something you can contract out. That was really cool. Um, definitely enjoyed walking through those three steps. Um, I think we hit it, but what what do you think, Amanda? Like, yeah. So to- I I just want to bring it back around as a whole. So number one, um, when thinking about hiring twenty twenty two, I think hiring is a is an amazing goal. It means your business is thriving. It means you want to grow. It means your your purpose is expanding. Um, and so hiring, as far as one of your growth goals in twenty twenty two. Heck yeah, you should do it, but you need to keep these three things in mind. Those three things are, what is this going to accomplish for you and your business? Are you hiring because it's an ego thing and you want to just look cool and have employees that work for you? Are you actually hiring because it's going to accomplish something for you and your business? Number two, when is the financially the right time for you to be hiring? And you know, Sean said that we have a particular formula for that, but ultimately in general, you want to have some savings built up so that you don't have to turn around and let them go because you're SOL and you're out of money. But also when things are going well, you want to ensure that you have lines of credit built up and access to cash so that you can get through that hump of that scaling period. 
because it's going to happen. You're not going to see an immediate ROI on somebody that you hire. Um, and then also, do I want to hire a subcontractor or do I want to hire an employee and knowing the difference between the two? And so those are the three main things that we want you to think about in 2022. And, um, you know, the last thing I want to say is that if you guys just feel like you're kind of a little bit lost, you don't know, you know, this was great content, great information, but you're not really sure on how to wrap this all around. We would really encourage you to, um, to go to our website and sign up for a free call with a fits with a CFO, because we would love to just kind of give you a general idea and, uh, hear about your business, where your business is at and where it's heading. And we would love to give you just some little tidbits of information that you can take with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. That sounds awesome. Appreciate it. Having All right, on guys. Here and- we will link some information in the show notes for you. I'll link that book that I talked about early on. That's a really good one to read if you're an entrepreneur that has dozed into business because of a purpose or something that you love. When you're kind of finding yourself in that area of, oh my God, I'm doing all these things that I didn't really like doing. Um, what did I even get into this for? This book is great. So I highly recommend you read it. Also, please visit our website, fitcfo.com. And also we have some cool stuff on social media too. All right, we will catch you guys in the next one. If you like this episode, please be sure to tune in every single Tuesday morning. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help others out there become the best versions of themselves. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.